Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? If you're doing really good, put your hands together. If your team won, put your hands together. See, everybody should be happy today. I knew I was getting, I knew I'd get a, the only team that's not clapping right now is South Carolina. We love you, Ryan. Man, what a good day today. You know, that song right there has turned out to be one of my favorites. And there's that one line in it. I don't know every time I hear it and it just, I've got stories to live and tell. And I have stories and we used to call them testimonies. It's my testimony of what God's done. And I think that's why this time of year is so special. Not so much just because of the football season, which I love football season. Not because of hunting, but I, I love to hunt. But it's because of the 930, because I've watched God do stuff in my personal life, in my family's life, in the people around me, in our church's life, um, this, this, this month every year. And it really has extended, honestly, to 11 months out of the year. Well, I, I can say that I've witnessed God moving because of prayer. I've, I've seen God move. I've seen God heal. I've seen God break. I've seen you know th- people that were in chains, uh, that, that were shackled. I've seen restoration. I've seen all these different things. And I am here to tell you, and I hope somebody else can say the same thing, I've witnessed it. And I, I believe we're going to witness it again over the next uh, several months and years. And that's why this time of year is so important. If you're a guest here, we want to say thank you for joining us today. I know it's Labor Day weekend. we got a great crowd for Labor Day weekend, but we are in the midst of our 930. If you don't know what our 930 is, let me just give you a real brief what it is. Uh, 9 September, 30, 30 days of September. For 20 years, we have been gathering as a faith community and praying together. And we always have a direction. We always have a kind of a, a, a way we want to go in our prayers. And this year has been really good because our team did a great job along with um, just our church and just kind of walking through life of going, you know something, let's have a big three this year. Let's, let's, let's pray over three big things as a church and have a real big focus. So what we determined is that the big three are this. We're going to continue to pray for God's favor. And what God's favor is that God shines down on us, that God moves in our lives. He continues to open doors where he needs to open doors. He shuts doors where he needs to shut, which goes right into the next one. We're praying for God's direction. I, you know, I don't know many people that don't need God's direction in their life. I need it every day of my life when I wake up. I need God's direction on what I'm going to do this day, how I handle, you know, staff stuff, how I handle people's problem, you know, all that stuff. And then the last one is, is really just God's protection. And I shared it this, this last week, you know, we live in a world, it's a dangerous world. We live in a world that there's lots of things going on in our community, locally, you know, in the world that we live in. And so we just need God's protection in everything we do. Um, a couple of years ago, we decided that we wanted to put something out to help us. And it's just a simple prayer guide. Now, I was going to tell you, you could pick these up over in a little bookstore area, but we gave everyone we got out this morning. And so we have to order more. Don't fret, okay, because we have a solution. If you go to the QR code that's on the little uh, papers, the, the, the guest cards in front of you, you can, you can scan the QR code and actually about four or five tabs down, there's a digital version of it. So you'll have everything that's in this book, um, a, a digital version. The only thing you won't be able to do is write on it. And so I know lots of people want to write. We will have more in stock next week so we can flow, th- uh, flow through it together. And there's all kinds of things. Prayers of Tabernacle, how to pray for spouses, how to pray for healing, you know, how to pray for loved ones that don't know Jesus. 
Jesus. And so it's a really, 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 really good tool. So I would encourage you at least get the digital version until we come up with the other one. Okay. Our team worked really hard on that. And so we want to utilize that as we're praying together as a church, a faith community. Amen. Can we do something real quick? Let's pray together as a faith community, ask God to show up. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We ask a blessing on everything that we do. Thank you for just showing up and showing out in our lives, God. As we de uh, dedicate the next weeks to you, we pray that you would speak to us clearly, that you would restore what needs to be restored, God, that you would tear down what needs to be torn down in our lives, that you would break what needs to be broken, God, and ultimately you would lead us on a path that honors you and makes your name famous. In Jesus' name, we pray and everybody in our church said. Amen. So about three years ago, I'll just give you a little briefing on this. I went on a sabbatical in 2019. I had just gotten tired and burnt out. And um, we made a decision as a church leadership team for me to take six weeks off. Four weeks into that, uh, COVID broke out. And so I'm not going on any more sabbaticals ever. And so we don't want COVID-23 breaking out. So, But one of the things I did is I read a bunch of books. I read books about prayer. I read books about um, how to pray. I read books how to connect with God, how to find rest, how to find peace. And one of the books that I read, um, because my mentor and honestly, um, I don't want to say therapist, my counselor told me, why don't you start reading some stuff that's outside of your normal genre, uh, which is just, you know, the, the, the normal people we read, you know, the Andy Stanley's and all that kind of stuff. So he recommended a book. It was by Hans Kung. And Hans Kung is a Catholic theologian. So, you know, if you know anything about Catholicism, it's a little bit different than maybe the theology of uh, mainline evangelical churches like Journey. But I found it fascinating because the book was called On Being a Christian. So On Being a Christian, which leads me to believe like they're going to give us all the answers on how to be a Christian, how to do certain things. 702 pages this theologian wrote of all, all, everything from the Eucharist, you know, communion, how we do communion to, you know, the Lord, the, you know, everything, all that kind of stuff. He gets to the end of the book and I, I'm reading the end of the book and I'm noticing this. And he literally is talking about finishing and closing this book up. And there's a website you can go to. And what happens is, out of all the things that are in this book, he forgot the most important thing. He omitted prayer. There was not a mention of prayer. There's not a chapter about, there wasn't a line about prayer. There wasn't a word about prayer. And you would think at the very core, like being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus and not praying is like being a human being and not breathing. Like it's the very thing that connects us with the Heavenly Father. And so I was blown away that it wasn't in there. But you know what's more frustrating and actually I think as dangerous, if not more dangerous, is when Jesus' people, followers of Jesus, omit prayer from their lives. When we don't take prayer seriously, when we don't make it an everyday activity, we're not having fellowship, when we're not conversating with the Father. And when it comes to prayer, there's some important rules of Scripture, some, some staples of Scripture. And I just want to give them to you. You may want to write these down. And, and, and the first thing that I kind of just think about every time I think about prayer, it's, it, it's not an if, it's a when. It's not an if we pray, it's a when we pray. And so many times in our lives, the only time, the if is this, if something's going bad. Or if we want something to go good, or if I need a raise, or if my kids are doing something that's outside the character of what a kid should be, all that stuff. So it's if and not when. And this is what Jesus said. He said in verse uh, chapter six, uh, he said in, in, in verse three, when you pray, and then he goes on to tell us how to pray. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is the reward that they will get. 
But he says, but when you pray, again, when, you you go go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father will see everything and reward you. Okay, so that's the first thing. It's it's not if, it's a when. The second thing is, and this is what a lot of people get confused, and maybe your theology is a little different than mine, it's fine. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Like, we, we have a tendency just to pray about the big things, but you know what I'm learning? I'm praying about the small things, too. I'm praying for the favor of the Lord in my life. I'm praying, you know, that God would keep me safe from the time I leave my driveway to the time I get here at night, especially when I'm going up through the Riverwood area. I'm praying that God keeps me safe up there because you guys drive like nuts. And this is what scripture says in Philippians chapter four, verse six. Don't worry about anything. What's the next word? Instead. Now, now, now I'm not going to ask anybody to show of hands, but there's a lot of us in this room that are worriers. As a matter of fact, some of us are professional worriers. We, are, we worry about everything. We worry about everything. And, and we worry about things that are absolutely... Now, some of you are chuckling because talk, I'm talking to you right now, right? And, and there's, we worry about things that are out of our control. Do you know when we worry the most too? The clinic, the, uh, therapists and scientists have said, we worry the most between about 12 o'clock and 4 o'clock when we, in the morning when we can't do anything about it. It's not like it's seven o'clock in the morning. I can do something about it if it's a situation at work or if it's at four o'clock, uh, you know, in the afternoon, I can't do anything about it. But then I love this. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Man, what would happen? How would that change our lives? Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Some scripture actually says this, thank him in, in advance for what he's going to do. Oh, so listen, pray about everything. And then there's a, there's, a, there's a promise in the next verse of verse seven, but here it is. Prayer brings peace in the midst of chaos. You ever been in the midst of chaos in something in your life? Anybody besides me? Like it seems like the storm of life and you pray about it and all of a sudden what happens? You find the peace that passes, Bible says this, all understanding. Verse seven says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Here's another thing. Now think about this. Prayer is the only thing that the disciples Ask Jesus to teach them about. Pause for a second. Got quiet. Of all the things, I've said this before. Like, I'm one of those guys, like, I like big. Like, I like, and Jesus is hanging out with me, and I'm a disciple, and I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm watching healings happen, and I'm watching blind being, you know, and legs being like, I'm going there first. I'm like, Jesus, the thing with the mud and the spit, you got to teach me that one, dude. That one's on point right there. I want them coming up, lining up, and like t- this afternoon, I'm going to have a little, a little pile of spit over here, and I'm going have a little bit of mud, and if you're having problems with your eyesight, you wear glasses, I'm going to slap that on, and you're going to be, that's what I would be asking Jesus. Teach me that. Right? How about this? I mean, I've seen the movies. The whole casting out demon thing. Right? Am I the only one? <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I, I want, I, the, like, the, the, the leg thing, you know, like, I, the, let me see the leg thing. Like, like you weren't walking and now you're walking. Teach, they said, teach us how to pray. Now, some of you go, well, at the end of it, you teach them how to pray. They can do all the other stuff. I like the other stuff. Teach me how to pray. This is what he says. And this is not just a form of prayer. This was Jesus teaching us how to pray. Once Jesus was in a certain place in Luke chapter 11, he was praying 
As he finished, one of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray, right? A lot of us, if we grew up in, in maybe a, a, a kind of a, another denomination or a, a little a more liturgical church, we've read this. We've read it from Matthew. We've read it from Luke. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Here it says, Lord, teach us to pray. It says, Jesus, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield into temptation. So that's another one. Here's another truth. Pray without ceasing. Now, some of you are going, how do you do that? Like, I work. Like, I have a job. Well, it's more than just saying words. It's a posture of our lives. It's a mentality that we have. It's a, it's, it's a system of our heart that we're constantly leaning into what God's doing. This is what he says, uh, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, never stop praying. Now, I'm going to give you the biggest truth. Here's, here's the big truth. This is probably the biggest one. You learn to pray by praying. There's a book called Prayer, and it's Finding the Heart's True Home. And in the very first chapter, that's what it says. We learn, as believers, we learn to pray by praying. Now, I grew up in the Catholic church. Anybody else grow up in Catholic, Episcopal, something like that? You probably read the same prayers, right? I mean, there's some other churches that are like, Our, our Father, which art in heaven, how be thy name, right? You probably also did um, what was called... Um, uh, the doxology, and then you did Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. You did, right? You did all those, right? We did those. It, 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 I, 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 I could do those. I recited them all. Years later, I still remember those, and I remember getting hit by the nun. I remember that. Anybody else remember that? Yeah, so today, I probably, if you were to go to my library in my office, I probably have a dozen or two, maybe three dozen books on how to pray. I've been to countless seminars on how to pray. I've probably listened to a hundred different messages on how to pray. I've probably spoke it three or four times a year for the last 20 years, how to pray. And the single greatest way I've learned how to pray is to pray. Let's just make it happen. So today, that's what I want to do. I want to keep it basic. I'm going to give us three principles that are related to prayer that we can learn to have a prayer. Listen to this, a prayer lifestyle, not just, not just when it's, when it's necessary, not when there's dangerous moments, in it, but a prayer lifestyle. And here's the first thing. We need to learn to pray and begin right where we are. Right where we're at. In this moment right here. I'm going to give you one of my problems. Here's one of my problems. I feel guilty sometimes knowing who I am. You ever, you ever feel like your life is a little too close to sin? Your life is a little too far out here and you want to get your life all fixed up because you know God... You know God loves you and everything, but he's probably not going to answer those prayers until you get that stuff right. And maybe it's, it's, it's like, even if it's not a sin thing, it's a doubt thing. Like, I'm going to get my stuff, I'm doubting you, like, so I'm going to get my stuff right, and then I'll come to you. Now, if that's your mentality about prayer, you probably have a misinfor some misinformation about salvation, too. Because salvation has nothing to do with what we can do. Salvation has nothing to do with where I'm at currently in my life. Salvation has everything to do that I can't do it by myself, and I have to have Jesus as my Savior that I have to go to the cross, that by myself I'm a miserable wreck and it's the cross of Christ, it's the blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary, that's the only thing that brings me in the right relationship with him, that he can clean me up. See, so many times we want to go to, you know, we want to get all cleaned up, we want to get all our stuff right and then we go to him and that's the exact opposite of how it works. It's I go to Jesus to clean me up. You can clap if you want. You can clap really loud. 
I'll go T.D. Jason in a minute. I'm going to pat my head and run an aisle. But see, you know, the same thing, the same rules that apply to salvation are the same rules that apply to our prayer life. He is not expecting us to have our life altogether to go to him. As a matter of fact, that's why I go to him because I don't have my life all, you know, chronological and all figured out. I need a savior to come into my life. There's been times in my life where I have fallen out of fellowship with God. Anybody else want to admit that? Okay, all right. And I've become a little too familiar with the sin life. And what I've done to myself is I've beat myself down and I've actually done a disservice to myself because I've said to myself, listen, Bobby, there's no way God will accept any of your prayers right now. And that's the exact opposite. He accepts every one of my prayers at that point. He listens to every one of the petitions. I love, there's a story in Luke chapter 18 and you're probably familiar with it. And I just want you to kind of just understand, there's two, two, two people that Jesus is talking to. And one person is way over here and the other person is way over here. And I want you to think about this. Whose prayer did Jesus answer in this whole, this whole, whole circumstance? Luke chapter 18, verse nine. Then Jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their what? Own righteousness. It was their own righteousness. It was their stuff. And scorned everyone else. Now, it's interesting because if you go to the book of Isaiah, it says that all men's righteousness is like filthy rags. But he was, he was, he was, he was gleaning, he was gloating in his own righteousness, his own filthy rags. And it says two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. A Pharisee was a very religious person, looked the part, uh, would get up in front of everybody, show them all the scriptures. They, they wore the scriptures around their neck, but they had them memorized. And the other one was a tax collector, which we've talked about tax collectors. They were despised in the community. As a matter of fact, they would rip people off. There was no, there was, there was no amount like they could take whatever they wanted from the people that were in their little area. The Pharisees stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God that I'm not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. How, how arrogant is that right there? That you're, that you're looking across, maybe it's just 20 feet or 30 feet, but you're going, I'm glad I'm not like that person. And then on the other side, maybe just the other side of the road or whatever it is, there's a tax collector and stood at a distance, dared not even lift his eyes to heaven. He couldn't even, he couldn't even acknowledge who God was as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, I, oh God, be merciful to me. I, I'm a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisees, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Can you imagine those who humble themselves? Now the question is, you know the answer already. Which one, which one did God receive? Which one did God answer the prayer? And we understand in the world we live in, don't we, what humility looks like and what a lack of humility is, right? Yeah? I, I, did y'all watch football yesterday? Did anybody watch the Colorado game? I'm going to get some people real mad right now. I'm not a big Prime fan, okay? If y'all like Prime, more power to you, Right? But I've watched Prime from the time he was at Florida State. And I just remember everything was about him. Everything. It was a job. Like, it was about Prime. So when he took this new job at Colorado, he walks up and he goes, Prime has come. Prime has come. And it, it might not be here yet, but it's coming. And I'm like, what's coming? And yesterday, they win their first game. And I'm telling you what, they beat TCU. Man, that's great. They were number 17 in the nation. Georgia beat them really bad last year, too, by the way, for the national championship. If anybody didn't remember that. 64 to something, right? 
He gets up. Listen, I know, I know the game, okay? But he gets up, and the first thing he gives, I told you Prime was going to do this. And I thought to myself, you had 30 or 40 other players that you would have never even got this win if it wasn't for them. Let's point some of them out real quick. I say all this, say this. In the world that we live in, that was his reward. Now, he may win some games and all that. In the, in the spiritual world, you know what happens when we pound our chest and say, everybody look at me. That's your reward. You got your reward. I tithe twice a week. I do this. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't want your reward. I don't want you giving me my reward. You know what I want? I want to be rewarded from God. So how we do it is we do it in private. We do it away from the, uh, the light, and we do it right where we're at, in the exact place that we're at right now. That's the first key, I, I believe, to developing a prayer lifestyle, is we understand right where we're at, even in our darkest, way out there moments. And we don't come to them in, in, in a way that's arrogant, or we don't come to them even in the, or the other direction. We don't come to them you know, thinking, listen, I'm not worthy of this. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. We need to be absolutely honest with God in our prayers. And anybody ever watched the, um, the movie Vacation? Nobody. Like the funniest, I can't say that from the stage. It's an okay show. It's the Griswolds. You, you remember Aunt Edna? Like you, my favorite scene, I had to look it up, make sure I was, my favorite scene is when Aunt Edna is on the top of the, because she's dead, she gone, she gone. And she's up there and they put her in a chair and they wrap her in cloth and she's just sitting there on the top of the station wagon. Do you know what? Nobody liked Anna. That's, it. Was, it was proven because they put her on the roof. <laughs> Nobody liked her. And then all of a sudden they're sitting there and Aunt Edna dies and Ellen Griswold gets up there. And they're all kind of arguing. Who's going to say the eulogy? Who's going to say nice? Nobody had anything nice to say about her. So Ellen, because she was kind of the sweet person, this is exactly what she says. She goes, dear Lord, Aunt Edna was such a dear, sweet woman whom we loved with all our hearts and we will miss her terribly so much that you put her on the roof. Right? And you know what I say about that? Liar. You're, just, you're telling bold-faced lies. You know what? We do the same thing with God. We tell God bold-faced lies. Everything's fine. We, 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 tell, we tell people in our prayer circle, hey, how you, how you doing? We're doing great. We're doing great. A couple weeks later, you find out separation or a problem or a struggle, right? Because we've gotten good at this. God wants us to be absolutely honest with our prayers with him. He is not expecting us to come to him. Like I said, fixed. He knows that we're broken. He also knows that the humanity of what we deal with as, as you know, just in life is real and it's hard. You know, all through the Bible, I, I was doing this, all through the Bible, we see these, these people, these real human people that have real struggles. And sometimes we forget that they're real humans and they had real problems. Jeremiah says it like this in Jeremiah chapter 20. He said, oh Lord, you misled me. Could you imagine saying that to God? Oh Lord, you misled me. And then he says, and I allowed myself to be misled. You are stronger than I am, and you overpowered me. He's basically calling God a bully. He's saying, God, you bullied me. Now I mocked every day. Everyone laughs at me. David cries out like this in Psalm 73, 13. He said, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. 
Could you imagine being like that with God? How about Job? Y'all remember the story of Job? He lost everything. I mean, he lost everything, y'all. He lost his kids. He lost his possessions. He lost his spouse. He lost his friends. He lost his, his physical being. I mean, he's just rotting away. And yes, I love the part where he says, my redeemer lives, but there's a lot of scripture before that that lead him, like, listen, Job chapter six, verse four, for the almighty has struck me down with his arrows. The poison infects my spirit. God, God's terrors are lined up against me. Chapter 10, verse three, what do you gain by oppressing me, God? Why do you reject me? The work of your own hands. Why smiling on, or why smiling on the schemes of the wicked? Chapter 10, verse 18, why then did you deliver me from my mother's womb? Why didn't you just let me die at birth? That's brutally honest prayers right there. Oh God, you have grounded me down and devastated my family. <coughs> but it was God who wronged me, captured me in the net. On and on and on and on. Could you imagine being that honest with God? What is it in your life right now that you need to be honest with God? I'm gonna pause for a second. I need somebody to bring me out of water real quick. Or anybody else's water? <laughs> Coffee, tea. I'm waiting for this door to open. There it is. Just throw it. I was wanting her to throw it. There's a passage in Habakkuk. And I was thinking about this. God wants our honesty in our prayers. The problem is we don't know how to do that. And what if we were? What if we were incredibly honest about that cancer? Well, we raised our fist to God and maybe even said some words that we would think that we would never say to God. And here's what I'll say to you is this, this is it right here. I think God would rather us having converse, continuing conversation with him than stop talking at all. And so many times what happens when we get mad at God, we, we maybe for a little bit we raise our fist, but then communication stopped right there. See, th th this is what Habakkuk says. Even though there's no fruit on the vine, there's no, there's no, there's no animals in the pen, even though, 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 even though he said, yet yeah, I will praise you. You can take that, you can take it. It's, it's in Habakkuk chapter three and it starts in verse 17. I think it goes to 20. You can take even every one of those, even those, and you can put your circumstance in there. Actually, I know we're not into rewriting scripture, but rewrite that passage for you. What would it look like? Even though I have cancer, even though my, my spouse left me, even though I don't have a job, even though I don't you know, have the, the, the greatest relationship with this person, even though, even though, yet, yet I'll praise you. One of the things I say to married couples all the time when they come in, I say, listen, as long as communication still happens, we're okay. As long as you're still talking, as long as there's still some, even if it's yell, even if it's arguing, as long as that still happened, or still, as long as they're still living in the same house, there's 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 an opportunity to be rest, restored. How many people know who Ted Turner is? Anybody know who Ted Turner is? So Ted Turner, you guys probably don't know this. Ted Turner was a believer, strong believer. He was an advocate for Christianity in his early life, but then something happened. His sister got diagnosed with a deadly disease. And he said he prayed a prayer. And when he prayed a prayer, this is, the, this is the guy that now, this is the guy now that says the Ten Commandments are obsolete. The Christianity is nothing but a crutch. 
But this Ted Turner was praying a prayer to God, and then all of a sudden, his sister took a turn for the worse and ended up dying. And he, he, he raised his fist at God, and he said, you're fake, I'll never have anything to do with you. And he never had a conversation with God again. That's the problem. As long as we're still having conversations, regardless of how bad it is, God has room to work. God can do something in our lives. See, what we don't remember, or maybe sometimes we forget, that even Jesus, even Jesus questioned even Jesus and Luke cried out to God. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane just hours before the crucifixion. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, he says, Father, if you're willing to take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will done, not mine. Whatever it is, God. See, here, here, here's what I think. I think as long as we recognize that God is still, there's hope. It may sound like that. See, that's what the book of Revelation says. Revelation says it like this. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will share a meal. Can, can, just for a second. What, what's, that, what's that prayer that you're afraid to ask or, 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 or scream or cry out to God about? What's that prayer look like? What's that prayer sound like to you? Now, not that you need my permission, but I'm giving you permission to scream out to God about it. It may not make sense. You may be absolutely devastated. You may absolutely want to throw it all away, but I'm telling you, keep a conversation with the Heavenly Father and watch what God can do. God will still move in your life, which really leads me to the last thing. We need to continue that conversation all day long. It's not just a morning thing. It's not just an afternoon thing. It's not just a dinner time thing. It's a all the time thing. I love a story that I heard about Billy Graham. Billy Graham was invited to go to the Today Show. And so he takes his assistant and they get there and the producer, the director of the show says, we've provided, we know that Billy's a praying man. We've provided a room over here off to the side for Billy to go and pray before the show. And the assistant said, he, do, he doesn't need a room. And he was kind of taken back. He's like, he's not going to pray. We thought that he was a praying man. He said, let me tell you something, sir. When Billy got up this morning, he was praying. And that 45-minute drive from the hotel to this, this studio right here, Billy prayed the whole time. When he walked into this place, he prayed over every corner of this building. When he's in his back room right now where he's at getting ready, he's praying. And you know what else he can do? When he walks out here, he'll be praying the whole time he's talking to you. See, that's prayer without ceasing. That, that, that's understanding understanding how prayer works, that we don't make it a moment. So I used to say this all the time, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I had an older gentleman who goes, where are we going? I'm like, I don't know, secret room, I don't know. Right? Because religious people have to have certain words. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Sounds really good, doesn't it? Sounds like you know what I'm talking about, right? But right, Jimmy, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And we're going to hold hands, we're going to shut it. But you know what I'm learning in my life? God's everywhere I go. I don't have to go to him. He's right there with me already. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, where two or three are gathered in his name, he's right there in the midst. He, he's in my office. When I walk in my office, first thing, before I say the first word, he's in my office. He's in my truck when I'm driving from, from my, my house to here or from here to my house. So if you ever see me at a stop sign and it looks like I'm mumbling, I'm probably not mumbling. I'm probably having a conversation with my Savior. You hear what I'm saying? The only place I have not found Jesus is on the golf course. Whole nother story, y'all. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? He's in the doctor's office when you're in the doctor's office. He's in the courtroom when you're fighting that battle that you don't know you're going to win. When you're getting the paper that says that the divorce is final, he's in that room right there. The problem is so many times we're looking for a place and God is everywhere. And when we understand that, it changes how we have a conversation. You know another thing? I think part of our problem about not hearing from God is we never shut our mouths. Did you hear me? Part of prayer is silence. As a matter of fact, week three, I'm going to talk about the art of silence. We may just sit here for 25 minutes and not say a word to each other. Easy Sunday. I was reading a story this past week about ice houses. In the old days, they had ice houses because they didn't have refrigerators. And they would chop ices from ices. They would chop ices. <laughs> like scramps. Um, they would chop ice and put it in these ice houses and they would put all their food there. And it would, during the cold months, it would stay in there. Well, one, one of the guys went in there and he had a watch that he lost. And it was a third or fourth generation watch. A very expensive watch. Everybody went in there trying to find it. They couldn't find it. They were in the sawdust on the ground. They couldn't figure it out. About a week later, this young kid walks in there. He shuts the door behind him and walks out about 15 minutes later. And he goes, is this somebody's watch? And everybody was amazed. How did you find that? We looked. We've been looking. He goes, it was easy. I just, I lay down on the floor and I shut my mouth. And I could hear the watch. Timer going. You want to know my prayer for our faith community in the next several weeks? I don't want to hear a booming voice of God. I want to hear the whisper of God. I want to hear those still small, small voice, that still small voice that brings life to me. Elijah underneath the broom tree kind of moment where he says, I, I'm going to give you a new vision. I'm going to put you to sleep and then I'm going to speak to you. You're not going to see me in a, a rainstorm. You're not going to see me in a tornado. It's not going to be a firestorm. You're going to hear me in the still small voice. And my prayer is that over the next several weeks that we quiet ourselves enough for direction of our families, directions of our marriage, direction on you know, our business, whatever it is, ministry direction, that we hear the still, small voice. I want you to do me a favor, if you would, stand up for closing prayer, please. I just want you to think about that. Where do you need to hear that voice? What conversation are you willing to have with the Heavenly Father right now? What, what, tough, what tough questions, what tough statements that you, do you need to meet? Heavenly Father, it's in this moment right here. In all that you do, God, in all that you do, we ask that you, would, that you would move in our lives, that you would speak to us clearly. God, that we would provide opportunity to hear your voice. God, that many of us in this room, we have the tough questions, there's tough things that have happened in our lives and we're afraid to even have those conversations. I pray that we would have those conversations, God. I pray that we would keep communication open. But most of all, God, most of all, above everything else, God, that whatever we say or whatever we do would make your name famous in our community, that it would be a testimony of who you are because it's not our prayers, it's the one we're praying to. So God, I pray that you would be with us over the next several weeks as we embark on this journey of prayer and fasting together as a faith community that you would do something big in us. And everyone in this room said, amen. 
Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.